F45s and orange theories. Like these are all built around cardiovascular work, right? You're just trying to ramp up your heart rate as high as you can. You got the rowers, the bikes, the runners, all these things. And I think you're starting to see the younger generation pull away from that and start to do a lot more bodybuilding. Welcome to the Barbend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by Barbend.com. Welcome to the Barbend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by Barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to an old friend of mine. He's actually been on the podcast before, Kenny Santucci. He's a multi-time gym owner in and around the New York City area, and he's also the driving force behind Strong New York, a yearly strength and fitness festival that takes place, well, in New York and celebrates strength in all forms. Kenny joins us today to talk about owning and opening a gym post-COVID, why in-person events have changed and why they're so important to the fitness industry, and how nothing is really new in fitness. More explanation of that actually in the podcast. It's a great conversation about the state of fitness today and how we can take inspiration from fitness pioneers starting decades ago. I think you'll really enjoy this one, so stay tuned. Kenny Santucci, welcome back to the podcast. We actually saw each other in person for the first time in a hot minute over yeah. the weekend, and we're going to talk about what happened over the weekend. But first, I got to ask, how are you doing today? Uh, you're a, a new gym owner. Once again, you're an event organizer. You're wearing a lot of hats in New York City's fitness community. Um, you know, What's life like these days? Pretty good. You know, I think everybody's still trying to get back to normal a little bit. I opened this gym back up in uh, 2001. So it's a year old. Uh, uh, sorry, October 1st of 2021. <laughs> I wish it was 2001. Um, but 2021. So it's a year old now. Um, you know, still trying to get to figure out what the groove is and wh what what the fitness scene is. I actually got uh, contacted by Techno Gym about eight months ago. And they were like, hey, could you explain to us what what's going on in the fitness scene and what people are doing now and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm still trying to get a handle on it. Hmm. I think there's a lot of people doing the, the virtual stuff and working out at home, which wasn't a thing before COVID, you know, there wasn't really that much of a at home scene. It's like people have Pelotons and stuff, but not in the numbers that they do now. Um, but I think people are coming back and then people are more educated. One of the things I used to say all the time at solace was, you know, the more educated the consumer becomes, the more people are going to have walking through the door, the more people are going to want to strength train and learn, you know, because the more educated they become, they're like, oh, okay, so I got good at this. I understand this. I know about this. I'm going to move on to the next thing because it's ever evolving. You know, we're all still learning. Even the people who've been in this 20, 30 years, talking to Gunner the other day, you know, uh, Gunner, just, just, to give folks, him, yeah. just to give folks context, who, who is Gunner? Gunner Peterson, uh, who has been a trainer for a long time, got pretty popular uh because he trained sylvester stallone the kardashians tom brady you name it he's been there um so i was chatting with him and he's he was telling me it's like i'm still evolving i'm still trying to figure out what's going on and everything else so you know i think we're all in this learning phase and that's why these events like we had this weekend was great because everybody gets together and we kind of share uh thinking caps and we get 
and we, you know, we figure out what's next and what everybody's doing and kind of mingle. I think it's one of those, it's, it's sad that here in New York city, we've never really done this before. So I want to talk a little bit. We'll get to, we'll get to the event in a second, but let's talk about opening a gym kind of during, during COVID or just post COVID, however you want to define it. It's not your first rodeo in the brick and mortar space. I've known you for, I've known you for a while. Uh, We've kind of seen each other go through that process and be involved in that process a few times. Yeah. What was different about opening a gym in 2021 and how did you approach it differently compared to opening a gym, you know, back in 2014, 2013? It's a little different. The restrictions were a little different and it was, it was definitely a bigger gamble, right? When Mm -hmm. I opened my first gym in Jersey, you know, it was the height of CrossFit. Like CrossFit was just starting to really pick up steam. I'd say that CrossFit's heydays were like 2012 to 2016, 2017. I think those were the best of the years. Um, It was still on the incline and on the rise. So opening it then was exciting because it's like, oh, you open a CrossFit gym anywhere, it's going to do well. People were excited about it. People wanted to do it. Opening up a gym post-COVID, CrossFit lost a lot of steam. I didn't open a CrossFit gym. I was doing a lot more private training. You know, it's definitely a different business model. You know, you could open up 50 gyms and they could all be different variations in different neighborhoods with different people. So you never really know what you're going to get. You know, you can do all the marketing you want. It's word of mouth and how uh, how good your business is, right? Like what what you're doing on an hourly basis, on a minute basis. Like, are you keeping people engaged? Are you keeping people happy? You know, because there's so much now that didn't exist then. And there's so much that people know now that they didn't know then. So everybody's just kind of looking for the next best thing, including myself. You know, you, you find equipment or you find different things that you you feel like could change the business or you're interested in going down a different path. You want to keep it interesting for yourself as well as the clients. But I, I definitely thought it was a bigger gamble to open up this time rather than last time. I obviously know more than I did the first time, but even with the solid stuff, you know, walking into that right after having my own gym, I'm like, all right, I know how this runs. I have a better understanding. And now the third time around, I, uh, I feel, you know, confident in what I know. But then it's it's just the market's changing and people are changing, you know. So each time it's it's definitely fun and exciting, but also scary. You talked about people being more educated, which I, I would agree with, right? And I think, hey, I work in fitness content, right? Like we want to educate people. We want people to walk in the gym smarter than four or five years ago. Like that's mm-hmm. a big part of what me and the team at Barben do, right? What are some of the points of knowledge or things that people come in, you know, maybe they're a prospective member or a new member and they're asking or they know about and they're curious about or that they want that maybe would have really surprised you back in 2013, 2014. But these days you're like, oh yeah, I expect more people know about this. Like simple things like knowing the names of some movements Mm. and wanting to do certain things, you know, like for instance, when we started with CrossFit, right? Like no one would ever do bodybuilding stuff in a CrossFit gym when we first started. It was all about like hit workouts, hitting it hard, going as heavy as possible, mastering gymnastics moves. Now people are a little bit more educated. I'm starting to see what I've been preaching for the longest time. It's like cardiovascular work is for your cardiovascular system. You don't need as much of that as you do strength training. And I'm seeing a lot of people now strength training. I went down to a gym in Howell, New Jersey about two, three weeks ago. And I loved it. It's a great space. It's a great facility. It's obviously like something I'd like to do down the line, 
It's obviously very expensive, and to do it here in New York is very hard. Um, but it's called Iron Revolution. It's a beautiful gym, and they have a lot of like prime equipment and uh, a lot of like bodybuilding stuff. Uh, they have a whole room for like powerlifting and weightlifting. It's a beautiful, beautiful space. But there were so many young kids that were there. I was probably the oldest person in the gym by about twenty years. Uh, there were all these like high school kids, college kids. You know, there weren't a lot of older people there and they were all doing sing alarm lap pull downs and, uh, you know, sing alarm rows and, you know, just a lot of like stuff that's become more popular in the last couple of years. You would, you would see a lot of bodybuilders do that years ago, but not as much as you're seeing it now. I think the, the YouTubers and the Instagram, you know, TikTok people, they've all popularized a lot of these kind of unconventional movements that you didn't really see a lot in the past. And like I said, I mean, CrossFit was the big thing and hit classes and, uh, you know, kind of these sweat classes, the F45s and the orange theories. Like these are all built around cardiovascular work, right? You're just trying to ramp up your heart rate as high as you can. You got the rowers, the bikes, the runners, all these things. And I think you're starting to see the younger generation pull away from that and start to do a lot more bodybuilding. Um, so it's cool. It's, it's the evolution. It's, but it's also, again, coming full circle, right? I mean, we're about the same age. When I started working out, you bought a muscle and fitness or a men's health or a muscle development magazine, and it was a lot of conventional just, you know, bench press, lap pulldowns, squats, deadlifts, things like that. There wasn't a lot of this, like, sing-alarm kind of bodybuilding work. It was very traditional strength training stuff kind of with a bodybuilding spin on it. And then you started to see a lot of the hit stuff coming out and the CrossFit stuff. And it's the evolution. I think a lot of things are coming back, but, and if anybody says out there that, Oh, I, we came up with this move or we came up with that move. It's like people have been doing a lot of the shit forever. It's just now becoming popular. Yeah. There's, there's not a lot new, especially, I mean, strength training can be very simple. Bodybuilding. Yeah. It, can, it can be, there are only so many muscle groups. There are only so many ways to target them. A lot yeah. of the novel stuff we're seeing today is, you know, it, it's retro. It's just been forgotten, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm seeing that machines are cool again, right? At yes. least that's the perception I get, right? When I was, I mean, I remember 10 years ago, if you were hitting the Nautilus machines, which are great machines, like a lot of fantastic machines, people would kind of look down on you like, oh, you're just a meathead, right? You're not being yeah. functional. What the, what the heck does that even mean? And now yeah. I'm seeing boutique spaces you know, that are focusing on functional fitness or functional movement, they have machines because th those have a place, right? Those have a real place and a real purpose in creating well-rounded and resistant bodies. Yeah. And I think for when you talk about rehabilitation uh, and, you know, kind of focusing in on a lot of the injuries that I see throughout CrossFit, I would tell people, I'm like, get on a machine. It'll isolate the muscle a little bit more. You won't have as much like freedom through the joint. So you can still train, but it's not going to hurt you as much. I think a lot, I think people are starting to see that. I, I remember when I started the body class at, at Solace, um, you know, it was a lot of like, I would do a lot of like Jim Jones style stuff, mm -hmm. you know, push-ups and pull-ups and like, dips and things like that. And it was all very strict. There wasn't a lot of crossfit and people are like, why can't we kip and why can't we move faster? And I'm like, there's a time and a place for it. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Obviously I did crossfit for a very long time. I wanted, I wanted to teach them how important that stuff was, 
And then you're starting to see more and more people do that. And now it's even taken a point to where it's like they're using machines again. So I, I love machines. I want to get more machines in here. I just wish I had more space for it. But yeah, I think just like you said, like machines are cool again. Like everybody wants them. And I mean, look, machines are expensive. They take up a lot of space, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a high barrier to entry and people want what is scarce. So now there's like a scarcity of access yeah. to these things. A lot of people have big open gyms that have like pull-up bars and some bumper plates and barbells and kettlebells. Like that's all great. But like, Athletes are seeking out places that have, you know, I, I, you could in, there are any number of brands. I say Nautilus machines because, like, I'm I'm a little old school, and that was what was yeah. existed when I was first getting started. Right? People are seeking these out now, and you see, like, for example, CrossFit athletes that are getting memberships or guest passes to gyms that have machines to isolate mm-hmm. muscle groups. It's 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 mind boggling to me in a really funny way. Um, and I'm glad that I'm not the only one who sees this and observes this. Cause I felt like I was taking crazy pills to be honest. Yeah. Well, I, I think for, for guys like us, it's like we kind of came up around the same time and we started to see a lot of that. And if you did curls, so I was working at Equinox when I was still doing CrossFit with you and stuff. And I would do like some bodybuilding stuff just cause I always enjoyed it. But I even pulled away from it. I was like, I'm not going to use a machine. Why? I have a barbell. I could do everything I need to do with a barbell. You know, and then you get like banged up or you just, your back sore or something. I'm like, I right, need to jump on a machine just because I still need to get a little bit of a pump in, but I can't, you know, kind of bend over and pick up a bar right now. But yeah, I, I, I love it. I think there's more people. And this is one of the questions that I actually had posed to uh, Gunner during the talk. It's like, there's so many people or what seems to be so many people on social media taking up training and wanting to be trainers and people are working out more than ever before. And there are more gyms than ever before. Just think about it. When I first started working out, my family had moved from Newark, New Jersey up to Cedar Grove. And the only two gyms where there was a gym around the block from my house in uh, Verona, which is the next town over. And then the next nearest gym, like the next nearest like full gym you could go to was like 30 minutes away. Now, in my mom's town, where she still lives in Cedar Grove, there's probably six gyms just in that town. And the town's like a mile, square mile. You know, there's like two CrossFit gyms. There's two private training gyms. There's two full, you know, you know, Globo gym or box gyms. Um, so it's funny. It's like it's the evolution. Like there's more people. But the people are heavier and more sick than ever before. So explain that to me. Is it just the, the mass number of people and, you know, half the population's working out, the other half isn't? I just find it funny. You know, you, you get outside New York City and you see how out of shape people are. I went down to a conference, um, a strength and conditioning conference down in Orlando back in February, March. And going through the Orlando airport, I'm like, what is there, no gyms in Orlando? What the hell's going on down here? But there were so many people who were out of shape, overweight. You could tell, don't even think about the gym. And here, two guys like us, I mean, we're just obsessed with it. You know, so we're we're in and out of gyms. We based our whole lives around this thing. Um, so I just found that very interesting, and I'd like to get a lot of people's takes on it because I'm like, what is going on? You know. Well, let's transition a little bit because I you know, we we could talk literally for hours about the gym <laughs> environment. We have, you know, we could sit yeah. down and um, you know, we we could just wax poetic for a long time. But I also want to talk about events. Last time you were on the podcast, we talked about Strong New York. Now this was December 2019. It mm-hmm. was pre-COVID, seems like an eon ago, and it was 
the latest in a series of fitness events you do called Strong New York, which mm -hmm. brings together people from all over the strength training, the strength and fitness community. And we, mm -hmm. there are speakers, there are vendors, you can sample you know, the latest products, the latest things to eat, supplements, you can hear very smart people talk, you can get in a bunch of workouts. There are, you know, trainer focused workouts, everything from yoga to hit to boxing to you name it, right? It's, it's, it's basically a one day fitness festival. That happened in late 2019. COVID hits, things shut down a, a, a bit. You recently restarted, started that back up. Um, and I guess it was what October first at uh, Chelsea Piers in New York was kind of the the relaunch at a big scale. I was there. Full disclosure, had a ton of fun. Caught up with a bunch of people, some who I hadn't, some of whom I hadn't seen in a while. But it struck me that I interact virtually with so many people in the fitness space. Right, we're a we're a remote team at Barbend. We don't have an office anymore. We did pre COVID, and it's tough for me to describe the impact of being in person at one of these events, right? Like I'm having trouble putting it into words, but I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on the unique value proposition of in-person fitness events in a post-COVID world. Uh, it's very interesting because this was my sales pitch to a lot of the brands and a lot of the speakers. And it's also gave me the inspiration to open up the gym. Uh, for me, I think the worst possible thing, or we've agreed, in society that the worst possible thing you could do to someone is throw them in jail, right? And the worst thing you could do to somebody in jail is throw them in solitary confinement. We've all agreed that this is the worst possible form of punishment in our society. So during COVID, that's exactly what was going on, right? You're, you're in your little box. If you look at a building, right? Everybody's in their little box and you're stuck in that little box and don't move out of that box and stay in there. It's almost a form of prison. Um, so for me, I felt that right away. I was like, I need to get out. And, you know, the first couple of weeks of COVID, I would go for, I would take my dog for 10 mile walks, 12 mile walks all over the city. I literally would walk from my apartment past, you know, through Central Park all the way down to uh, financial district. I'm like, I just got to move. And coming back into my apartment after I did that, I'm like, all right, I feel good. I feel normal. Like my brain's working again. I watched a great documentary on Netflix about a young man who got locked up uh, in Rikers Island. They put him in solitary confinement, and they were saying that after 24 to 48 hours, your brain starts to atrophy because it doesn't have human connection. By nature, we are tribal creatures. We need to be around people. We need to that energy. When people were saying, oh, well, you know, everybody's going to do virtual. Gyms are dead and blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I was just like, that's, that's the worst possible thing. You know, it's, it, it's never going to happen. People want to be around other people. The energy in that room, I wish I could bottle that up, put it in a jar and send it to people who are like, hey, I don't know if I want to come to the event or I don't know if events are worth it. It's like, come on, you felt it, right? You were there. And the, the amount of people that had that great experience, like I knock on wood, I haven't got one bad, you know, feed any bad feedback or anybody saying they didn't like it. Everybody was like 10 out of 10, can't wait to be back, blah, blah, blah. I think that's what we all wanted. We, everybody wanted to be around other people again. It, it was two years. We hadn't done anything. New York's never really experienced an event like this. We wanted to get people, uh, you know, having a good time, hanging out, interacting. Like the first thing I said, the first initiative for the event was to connect people again, to get people in the same room, you know, I think there's this animosity that builds or this, you know, kind of um, 
you you lose connection with people. And then when you see them in person, it's different, right? You're like, oh my God, I miss this person. I, I miss that vibration that I got, you know, being in front of somebody. And I think a lot of that was happening that day. I think there was a lot of good vibes in the room. I think, you know, everybody got what I wanted out of it. So you can't replace you, you, our minds are almost like trying to be like, Oh, I'm in front of Dave right now, but I'm, I'm not really with them. Right. Like you're, you, it's almost like I see you, but I'm not really with you, you know, and it's different, right. It's, it's like talking to somebody through glass. It, it's just not the same as being able to embrace them, to touch them, to be around them. And I wanted to recreate that. I think that's the most special thing. And it's, you, you can't show that to somebody. It's like seeing a live performance, right. I could watch. And this is when I thought that, the inner, like just doing everything through the computer kind of sucks. Bruce Springsteen's one of my favorite artists of all time. And he was doing like a, a live show on zoom or some bullshit. And I, I started watching, I'm like, this sucks. But now Bruce Springsteen's playing next year. It's a thousand dollars for like shit seats. It's $5,000 to sit anywhere close. I'm like, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I'm probably going to pay that just because I want to be around that, right? That's what you're paying for. You're paying for that that vibration, the the the, the feeling of seeing something live, right? That you can't explain to somebody unless they were there too, right? You know, when you're with a buddy of yours and you're like, remember that time we went there and you're trying to tell somebody else, but they'll never get it, right? You have to be there to get it. Um, so I think there's something very special about that. And that's what I, that's why I put so much into this. I put so much money into it. I put so much time into it. Um, and I love the people who just get what I'm trying to do with this. That is all very heartfelt. And I, I want to take a beat and recognize that. That is also the most New Jersey thing I've ever heard because you somehow <laughs> incorporated your love of the boss, Bruce Springsteen into that which is which yeah. is kind of, which is kind of perfect right that's kind yeah. of perfect because that is like we think of being at a concert right i go to a lot of billy joel concerts i've been to two or three billy joel concerts this year right at madison Square garden yeah. unbelievable energy you've never heard piano man until you hear you know what is it forty thousand, fifty thousand people singing along however big msg yeah. is it's a whole different vibe and that is something that i think we underestimate in fitness because fitness can seem solitary Right. There's still this stereotype, at least when I was growing up in fitness, when you were as well, you know, you're doing the bodybuilding style stuff. You put on the oversized shirt or the sweats, you put the towel on your head, you hit, you know, the incline tread on the treadmill for steady state cardio. You know, you hit your your muscle groups. It's very solitary. Maybe on bench day or squat day, you have a buddy there to spot you. Right. It's, it can be a very solitary endeavor. And I think you can look at the past decade in fitness and all the things that have really hit in a big way are social by nature. CrossFit mm -hmm. is social by nature. Even something like Peloton took what was previously a pretty solitary activity, just riding a stationary bike, and they made it social, right? They put a leaderboard mm -hmm. on there. They gave high, you know, you can high five people, you can connect with people, you can compete against your friends in person or elsewhere. They brought people into the studio to film. There's a social component, and I think that you mentioned earlier, fitness is a lot of stuff that seems new, but it's just been there for a long time, and people have kind of spun back up. Oftentimes, they're just adding a social component to something that already existed, and boom, it's new, it's hot, it's successful. That, to me, is kind of the life cycle of fitness over the last 10 years. Let's take stuff that people have been doing alone for a long time, add a social component. Boom. You have something new. 100%. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I think a lot of times, 
people don't realize how important it is to have somebody there with you, right? Misery loves company, but also so does joy, right? There's no point in having a ton of money, a boat on the water, unless you have other people around you, right? There's no point. I don't want a, a yacht sitting on the, in the middle of the ocean by myself, right? You want a ton of people there with you. It's like, everybody wants that. I think if, I think if at the end of the day, like everybody wants, everybody says, oh, I want to retire and go to an island by myself. Well, if that were the case, then the Bahamas would be a lot more crowded, right? Here we are on this smaller island, right here in New York, and there's all these people shoved on top of each other, and we all pay a fortune to live here, and it's cold and it's dark and it's rainy, you know, and we're all still here because we want to be around other people. I think the electricity and the vibration in New York is because there's so many people, um, and that's what makes it special. It's not, it's not the the dirty, shitty streets or the subway or, you know, it's the people and people want to be around other people. We do have dirty, shitty streets and the subway. <laughs> just not to, not to, but you know, not to say we don't it's just have not a sales pitch. Yeah. It's, well, for some people. <laughs> it's not a, yeah. Kenny, where is the best place for people to follow along with you and to follow along with future iterations of strong New York? So the Strong New York Instagram, uh, I can't wait to see all the pictures. I had seven photographers there capturing everything, video uh, pictures and stuff. So hopefully as the days go on, we're getting more and more stuff coming through. Uh, so at Strong New York, um, at Kenny Santucci, and then the gym is the Strength Club NYC. Um, so anything I do on my day-to-day basis is there, and then anything um, Strong New York related, and hopefully uh, – we're going to get the ball rolling for 2023 coming up pretty soon. And, you know, since the moment the last one ended on Saturday night, I've been doing nothing but writing down notes and ideas as to how we can make 2023 bigger and better. Excellent. Kenny, it's always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Appreciate what you do for the community in New York and beyond. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate this.